Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in Hello, and God bless you, saints. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Well, I think I'm going to start in Colossians 1 and 21. And you, being in time past alienated and enemies in your mind and in your evil works, yet now hath he reconciled, that means exchanged, Catalasso exchanged in the body of his flesh through death. He's exchanged your life for his life. Right? Your curse for his blessings. Your sin for his holiness. He hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without blemish and unreprovable before him. If, if so be that you continue in the faith. You have to continue in the faith. The devil says, give up, go back. Go back to doing things the way you were. No, you have to continue in the faith. Grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel or the good news. Hold fast to the good news which you heard, and which was preached in all creation under heaven, whereof I, Paul, was made a minister. And now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. Oh, praise the Lord. You know, we suffer for the people around us because we suffer to come into his image. We suffer with death, burial, and resurrection so that that resurrection life of Christ can live through us, right? I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake. Fill up on my part that which is lacking of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh. Right? We want all of the afflictions of Christ in our flesh because the flesh has to die. And this is for his body's sake, it says. How can you give something to the rest of the body that you don't have, which is the church, whereof I was made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which was given me to you, word, to fulfill the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 2. And send Timothy, our brother, and God's minister in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man be moved by these afflictions. So people are moved, and they're moved in the wrong direction sometimes by afflictions. 
The devil tells them, God forgot about you. God's angry with you. You did something wrong. And you've been reprobated and blah, blah, blah. He can give you the whole stream. You know, I've heard it so many times. That no man be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that hereunto we are appointed. We're appointed to suffer on behalf of Christ and his body. We're appointed to this. Don't think it's a strange thing. For verily... When we were with you, we told you beforehand that we are to suffer affliction, even as it is, as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause I also, when I could no longer forbear, sent that I might know your faith. He wanted to make sure that they were still believing. They weren't cast down in their afflictions. They weren't moved by their afflictions that I might know your faith, lest by any means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor should be in vain, meaning all that work to bring them to the kingdom, suffering on their behalf, teaching them, so on and so forth. And sometimes i got to tell you, it looks like our laboring has been in vain for some folks. But even as they fail... Some people, the best ministry to them is failure because they're proud, because they're vain, because they're lifted up, because they've given in to their ego, because they've got to lose their life and they're not doing it. So God helps them. Failure sometimes is the way he helps them. Second Thessalonians 1 and 4 says, So that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and the afflictions which you endure. Oh, praise God. I'll say that again. We glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all of your persecutions and in the afflictions which you endure. Amen. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Why does he say that? Why are these persecutions and afflictions a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God? Because your flesh is antichrist. And it has to be crucified. In fact, he says why? To the end that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer. You suffer for the kingdom of God. If you don't lose your life, you won't gain your life. We go through persecutions and afflictions in order to learn faith, in order to repent and make sure that everything is right between us and God, in order to be very careful in our holiness, and in order to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Second Timothy 1 and 8 Be not ashamed, therefore, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but suffer hardship with the gospel. Sometimes people think they're going the wrong way if they step out and they suffer hardship. No, he says, suffer hardship with the gospel according to the power of God. You're going to suffer hardship, that's part of it. See, God's not, he's a, a multitasker. He can work on you at the same time he's working on somebody else, right? And 
Down in verse 12 he says, For which cause I suffer also these things. Yet I am not ashamed, for I know him whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to guard that which I have committed unto him against that day. Whatever you trust God to do, to bring to pass, he's going to be able to do it. And he suffered these things. And he wasn't ashamed. The world tries to make you ashamed. But we are glad to suffer for the kingdom and to suffer for the Lord. Two and three. Suffer hardship with me. That's a command from the Lord, right? As a good soldier of Christ, Jesus. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, of the seed of David, according to my gospel. Verse 9. Wherein I suffer hardship unto bonds as a malefactor. But the word of God is not bound. So, he suffered hardship as a criminal. And of course, the world is trying to criminalize Christianity every step of the way. Antichrist government speaks against Christians every chance it gets. But, uh, and uh, the Antichrist church speaks against Christians. Christians, by the way, if you look at Jesus, you look at Jesus, you look at his ministry, you look at his holiness, that's Christian. That's Christian. And so what we have out there is not Christian, and it really doesn't want to be. So I suffer hardship under bonds as a malefactor, but the word of God is not bound. And then down in verse 12, he says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we endure this hardship, we'll reign with him. If we shall deny him, he also will deny us. Some people get mad. They are tempted by the tempter to get mad at God. Then God's failed. God hadn't kept his word. How silly. But that's what he does. He tempts them and they fall away. They deny. They deny Christ. They deny Christ's helpers. And down in 3 and 1 it says, But I know this, that in the last days grievous times shall come. Well, here we are. <laughs> For men shall be lovers of self. And by the way, this is religious people here. Lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, haughty, railers, disobedient to parents, spiritual and physical, unthankful, and unholy, without natural affection, implacable, slanderers, without self-control, fierce, no lovers of good, traitors, headstrong, puffed up, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. For of these are they that creep into houses. Oh yes, we've seen it. And take captive silly women. Yes, we've seen that too. <laughs> Laden with sins. Yes, we've seen that too. Led away by divers' lusts. See, this is a purification of the church he's talking about here because when these guys come, they take these, these people out. 
that are just living after the lusts of their flesh while they're in your midst, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They're never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. You can show it to them, but they just won't serve the Lord. And even as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also withstand the truth. Men corrupted in mind, reprobate concerning the faith. And down in verse 12, Yea, and all that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So it's not a strange thing to be persecuted, right? Second Timothy 4 and 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Yep, that's exactly right. They give over to the flesh. They will not listen to you anymore. You've taught this. They've believed it. But now, because it seems to prosper them to give in to their flesh, they give in to their flesh. You know why God does this to them? He turns them over to Satan. Why does he do that? Because they're not doing anything with what they've got. They've heard the word and they're not obeying it. They're just ignoring it. And so when it comes to a place where you're not doing them any good and they're not doing you any good, he just separates them. He just turns them over to Satan. And they will not endure sound doctrine. But having itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers after their own lusts. Yep, they'll get the guys to tell them what they already want to believe. And they'll turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside unto fables. Oh, they are full of fables. And it's quite normal that throughout history, God's true disciples of Christ have suffered at these people's hands. And it's, it's part of the crucifixion that we must go through. But be thou sober in all things. Suffer hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Well, now what does that mean? Well, not everybody is an evangelist by office. But everybody is to do the work of an evangelist. And that is to bring the good news to the lost, right? And to suffer hardship to do this is good and proper. Some people think they still have a little bit of that prosperity doctrine in them that if you're going through any kind of hardship, you've missed God. Fulfill thy ministry. For I am already being offered. He's talking about his life as an offering to God. An offering of sweet smell. I'm already being offered, and the time of my departure is come. And I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the course, and I have kept the faith. And this is important. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. You have to endure in the faith. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day. And not to me only, 
but also to all them that have loved his appearing. Oh, glory to God. You know what this means? It's talking about his appearing in us, his manifestation in us, his shining forth from us. This is what it's talking about. Those who love his appearing in them enough to give up their life. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you keep his commandments, you will die to self. It'll be automatic. And when you die to self, guess what? There comes the resurrection life of Christ in you, which is his appearing. It's not talking about his coming in the clouds. Hebrews 2 and 9. But we behold him who hath been made a little lower than the angels. Even Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Now, because of the suffering of death, he's crowned with glory and honor. Is it any different for us? No, of course not. That by the grace of God, he should taste of death for every man. Him, him dying makes it possible for us to die. He didn't say you didn't have to die. Now, we know that there are some people that are not going to physically die, but everybody's got to die. They've all got to die to self. And if before the end a person has put to death the old man, uh, they will be alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Because the last enemy to be overcome is death. That means you have to overcome your other enemies in your promised land, right? Verse 10, For it became him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. Many sons. He was the firstborn among many brethren. He was made in all things like unto his brethren. And he was the firstfruits of them. So it says, It became him for whom all things are all things, and through whom are all things, to bring in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the author of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And, and what is the purpose of that? So that we may become perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they that are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Wow. So if you put that together with this, James chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into manifold temptations or trials. Same word. Count it all joy. Some people get angry and they curse and they do all kinds of things. They've got no patience. They're not patient with their self. They're not patient with God. He said, count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into many fold. That's many, from many directions. Temptations. Knowing that the proving of your faith worketh patience. Hold fast to your faith. Hold fast to your faith. Believe that the Lord has delivered you and has given you his life. The proving of your faith worketh patience. 
and let patience have its perfect work. Patience has a perfect work. If you're patient with God, patient with yourself, patient with others, because you're walking by faith and not by sight, it will have a perfect work. He said that you may be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Oh, glory to God. Lacking in nothing. This is God's word. Don't call God a liar. There's people out there that do that regularly. It's all in their reason, but they're not conforming their reason to the scriptures. They don't believe the word, and therefore the word is not being manifested in them. So there has to be repentance. When we read the word, we must repent. It doesn't matter what your church believes. It doesn't matter what any man that you respect believes. When you read the word, you must repent. It's not a one-time thing of stepping over the line and you're in there. Once saved, always saved. Because the manifestation of your salvation is not in your hand yet. You're saved by faith. And faith is the substance of the thing hoped for while the evidence is not yet seen. So, you need to endure in your faith to receive the manifestation of your salvation, just as we saw. And being patient that God is bringing this to pass and that he's sovereign over everything you come into. Every person, there is no accidents for the people of God. He works all things at the counsel of his own will. All things. And he works all things together for your good. He's left nothing to chance. If you're in a situation, he put you there. Now, you're, this is your test. This is your trial. What are you going to do? Are you going to be patiently enduring because of your faith? Or are you going to throw up your hands and get mad at the whole situation and everybody around you? James 5 and 1 says, Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are rusted, and their rust shall be a testimony against you. This is the things that they trust in, obviously. And shall eat your flesh as fire. You've laid up your treasure. In the last days. Mm. Behold the hire of the laborers who mowed your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth out. And the cries of them that reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Wow. So, the rich always mistreat the poor and uh, sometimes the poor act like the rich too because they have their trust in things of the world you know but God chose the poor to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom because they ultimately come to the place where they can't trust in these things you have Live delicately upon the earth and taken your pleasure. You have nourished your hearts in a day of slaughter. Yeah. They've taken care of themselves. 
while people did without, were destroyed, died, whatever. And God didn't look the other way. You have condemned, you have killed the righteous one. I think one was italicized there, if I'm not mistaken. You have killed the righteous one. He does not resist you. All right, so that's the righteous. They're not going to disobey the word of God. They're going to resist not him that's evil. And the wicked sometimes take advantage of that. But so what? Heaven ain't bad. Right? So here he comes back to the patience again. Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient over it, until it receive the early and the latter rain. Amen. Well, we've had the early and we're coming to the latter, right? Be also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You know, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What is it to gain our soul, our life, our mind, will, and emotions? It is to come into the image of Jesus Christ. We do that by faith. We do it by suffering. Uh, dying of the old man is, is suffering. It's always suffering. And as the old man is dying, the new man is being renewed day by day. So he says, murmur not, brethren, one against another. In other words, patiently take it, turn the other cheek, resist not the evil, love your enemies. Not one against another, that you be not judged. And there's a lot of murmuring going on out there against God's servants that have done nothing but right. And it's been that way throughout history, the history of the world. Behold, the judge standeth at the doors. Don't you be the judge. Let him be the judge. Because he's going to judge with what measure you meet. It will be measured unto you again. Take, brethren, for an example of suffering and of patience. That's what we need, an example, right? Take, brethren, for an example of suffering and of patience the prophets who spake in the name of the Lord. Boy, they spake and they got in trouble with the lukewarm and the cold, didn't they? They were hated by kings and everybody that wanted to impress them kings. And today they're hated by pastors and everybody that wants to impress those pastors. So they are an example to us of suffering and of patience. They are patient in well-doing. They continue to speak the word of the Lord even when it costs them, even when it costs them their life. Behold, we call them blessed that endured. You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. Now that the Lord is full of pity and merciful. Now, yeah, there was a time of restoration, was there not? Of course, Job is an extreme example because God warned you to know that it can be done. And if he made it through what he made it through, you can make it through what you're going to make it through. 
Right? The Lord is full of pity and he's merciful. But endure, endure. We call them blessed that endured. Right? Verse 12, But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by the heavens, nor by the earth, nor by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, that you fall not under judgment. See, a lot of people, when they say they're going to do something, they don't do it. And if you make an agreement with them, they don't keep the agreement. And he says, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, that you fall not under judgment. God does not like people that do not keep their word. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him sing praise. And First Peter 2 and 19 for this is acceptable, if for conscience towards God, a man endures grief. Yes, I mean, we, we have to obey, even if it hurts. Even if we go through enduring trouble, we have to obey. Take the consequences. Many times, because we're obedient, we, sac- we are willing to sacrifice our life, we don't have to go through anything. But if God sees fit that we do, then we do. And he says, it is acceptable if for conscience towards God a man endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Now we get very self-righteous if we suffer wrongfully. Hey, I didn't do anything. Blah, blah, blah. You know, but God said it's all right to suffer wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you sin and are buffeted for it? You shall take it patiently. That's right. If you sin, you know you got it coming. So take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you shall take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. He commands you, take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For hereunto were you called. We're called to take it patiently, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example. Amen. He suffered for us. He did no wrong, but he wanted to give us an example, that ye should follow his steps. We, too, are called to suffer, to lose our life for the sake of the brethren, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. He committed himself to the Lord. Lord, you're in control of all this. I'll leave it with you. In First Peter 3 and 14, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, blessed are ye. That's what he said. Blessed are ye if you suffer for righteousness, if you suffer for doing right. Blessed are ye. Let them bless you. And fear not their fear, neither be troubled. 
but sanctify or set apart, right? Sanctify in your hearts Christ as Lord. In other words, it doesn't matter what they think, what they do, just let Christ be your Lord. Let Obey Him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Set apart in your hearts Christ as Lord. Being ready always to give answer to every man that asketh you a reason concerning the hope that is in you. Yet with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that wherein you are spoken against, they may be put to shame who revile your good manner of life in Christ. Well, it will come to pass. They will be put to shame. Now or later, if we pray sooner rather than later, when people have a, a, a possibility and a chance to repent in these days when that's a possibility, there are days coming when people will not be permitted to repent. It's not that, that God doesn't permit them to repent. It's just by their nature they can't repent. The Bible says God grants repentance. He can give you the gift of repentance. It comes from Him. It doesn't come from us. For it's better if the will of God should so will that you suffer for well-doing. It is better that you suffer for well-doing rather than for evil-doing. It's better. Well, we consider it worse usually. We expect to be suffering for wrong-doing, getting a spanking. But when, when we do good and we suffer, we get self-righteous. But God says it's better. It is better. Because Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so it should be for, with us. We're put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And suffering for righteousness is just part of that. And four and one. For as much then as Christ suffered in the flesh, arm ye yourselves also with the same mind, which is to suffer in the flesh. Have that mind in you, to suffer in the flesh. He says, arm ye yourselves with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It's true every time. And when you're suffering in your flesh, it's because you're ceasing from sin. If you're suffering in your spirit, it's because you're in sin. Because the two are contrary. What makes the flesh suffer is when you don't give it its way. And it says to do this so that you no longer should live the rest of your time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of God. You want to find the will of God? People think, well, I'll just ask God. He'll give me his will. He'll tell me what he wants. No. We find the will of God because we resist the flesh so that it dies. That's how we find the will of God. The, the 
flesh is always warring against the spirit, warring against our mind, seeking to drag us out of the will of God. For the time past may suffice to have wrought the desire of the Gentiles, or the heathen, right? And to have walked in lasciviousness, you know, just a license to do what you want to do. Lusts, wine-bibbings, revelings, carousings, abominable idolatries. Things that you love more than God, that take your time, take your money, etc., etc., idolatries. Wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them into the same excess of riot. Speaking evil, your old friends in the world, they just think, what happened to you? You went crazy. You're turning the world upside down. Yeah. Yeah, everything that they worship, you cast down. Everything that you worship, they cast down. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead? Now, in that day, of course, they will understand why you did what you did, if not before, hopefully before. But at least in that day, they will understand that they have spoken against the Lord. For to this end was the gospel preached even to the dead, that they might be judged indeed according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Yep, Jesus went to preach to the spirits in Sheol. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore of sound mind. Well, let me say, even back when this was stated, it was true, because the end of all things is always at hand for anybody. Because your end is your end, right? Not necessarily the end of the world. But for everyone, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, of sound mind and be, a, be sober unto prayer. And above all things, being fervent in your love among yourselves. For love covereth a multitude of sins. Of course, love is the very opposite of self in the world, right? using hospitality one to another, without murmuring, according as each hath received a gift, ministering it among yourselves. Whatever your gift is, give it to the brethren around you. Right? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Yes, we are all ministers of the manifold grace of God of God. Whatever gift God's given to us, we can give it to the body, right? And if any man speaketh, speaking as it were oracles of God, if any man ministereth, ministering as of the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, whose is the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, if any man speak, he should speak 
as an oracle of God. And when he ministers, it should be with God's strength. In other words, say what God says and give only the gift that he has given to you. Don't get into another man's gift. You know, give the gift that he has given to you to give to the body, right? And verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial among you, which cometh upon you to prove you, as though a strange thing happened unto you. Well, as everything that we've said so far points to the fact that it's the normal Christian life to go through the fiery trial, to have the wood and hay and the stubble burned up so that we might be good ministers of Christ Jesus. But inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, and we are, we are going to our cross to lose our life constantly, day by day, right? So in, for inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the sufferings that at the revelation of his glory, where is this revelation of his glory? It's in you. At the revelation of his glory also you may rejoice with exceeding joy. So you rejoice in Christ's suffering because this is the way to his glory. Once again, we're coming back to the same thing. How often God repeats this. We rejoice at the suffering because the suffering brings us to the glory. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are ye. Because the spirit of glory and the spirit of God resteth upon you. So, blessed are you when they reproach you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this gift. For let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler in other men's matters. But if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this name. Amen. For the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begin first at us, judgment begins with us. What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Constantly God's starting with us. He says to get the board out of your eyes so you can see clearly to get the mote out of your brother's eye. He constantly exhorts us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness for ourselves so that one day as he chooses, we can give away what we received. And if the righteous is scarcely saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them also that suffer according to the will of God commit their souls in well-doing unto a faithful creator. So God is creating us in the image of Jesus Christ as we suffer according to his will. 
when people are going into suffering, many times they seek at every or any expense to go around the suffering. But the Lord is saying, embrace it. If it's obedience to the word of God and it brings you suffering, embrace it. Don't give up the word because you may not get it again. See, we are the word made flesh and it comes to us as, as we devour that word, that manna from heaven, that Jesus Christ from heaven. We devour his body. He is the word made flesh. The only way we can come to the manifestation of that word in us is to not give it up in the midst of the fiery trial. You're tempted, you're tested to give it up, to disobey it, to twist it just a little. But commit your soul. Obey anyway. Commit your soul in well-doing unto a faithful creator. You're giving him the material by your obedience. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be watchful. Be sober. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Well, we just got through seeing that you have to obey in the midst of the trial. He's testing you. He's giving you opportunities to tweak the word just a little bit. And, um, and if you give in, he's able to devour you. Seeking whom he may devour. Whom withstand steadfast in your faith. You believe that when you suffer according to the will of God, you are committing your soul in well-doing unto a faithful creator. Knowing that the same sufferings are accomplished in your brethren who are in the world. Yep, the people in the world are suffering the same things. They have no opportunity because they don't have a born-again spirit. Your brethren who are in the world, they don't have a born-again spirit, so they don't have that opportunity to turn all this evil into good. So how are we suffering different from them? Is our suffering promotes Christ in us because we walk by faith and we walk by obedience. So let me say, if you go back into the world, you're still going to suffer. And the God of all grace who called you unto his eternal glory in Christ after that you have suffered a little while shall himself perfect, establish, and strengthen you. You hear that? The devil will tell you, oh, there's just no end to this. No, he says, after you've suffered a little while, he shall himself perfect, establish, and strengthen you. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. That's good news. Now there's the people of the world. Are they going to suffer? Well, of course. Second Peter 2 and 12, But these as creatures, without reason, Born mere animals to be taken and destroyed. You think man has any preeminence above the animals? 
Solomon said, no. Sorry, that's a false doctrine. Lost man has no preeminence above the animals. Born mere animals to be taken and destroyed, railing in matters whereof they are ignorant. You see proud people like that all the time. Many times proud religious people are the worst. Beware of them. Shall in their destroying surely be destroyed. Yes, but they are destroying. They are destroying something in us, and that is the old life, right? They'll surely be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the hire of wrongdoing. In other words, they've been bribed to do wrong by what they feel like and what the devil has told them will prosper them. Men that count it pleasure to revel in the daytime spots and blemishes. But the Lord is coming for a spotless and blemishless bride, right? Reveling in their deceivings while they feast with you. Oh, yeah. But you know what? It's just amazing to me how that God reveals their deceivings. His words come through dreams and visions and revelations and words of knowledge and words of wisdom of their deceivings. They think they're getting away with it. You're just giving them grace, praying for them, hoping that they'll change. And Jude 1 and 7 says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, having in like manner with these, given themselves over to fornication and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the punishment of eternal fire. I know people who call themselves Christians, who slander me, who are totally given over to sexual perversion <clears throat> while they sit out there and rail at me. It's, it's uh, crazy. In Revelation 2 and 10, Fear not the things which thou art about to suffer. So God already knows the suffering that's coming your way. It's already ordained of him. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. Fear not the things which thou art about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. Well, he did it with Joseph. He did it with Jesus. He did it with Jeremiah, etc., etc. That you may be tried. Now, a trial isn't from the devil's viewpoint. A trial is from God's viewpoint. You're being tried to see if it's more valuable to you to serve God and love Him and keep His commandments than it is to sin and to get out of the situation. See, if you just sin, you can get out of the situation you think you think and he tells you the devil tells you and you shall have tribulation ten days do does this happen to Christians today yes it does but send through tribulations testings remember Jesus was sent by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
must be proven. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. Notice, there is a condition to receiving the crown of life. Is that when you are being tested, when you are being tribulated, you are faithful to God and his word. That's how you get the crown of life. Like Joseph and Jesus and Paul, those who go to prison experience resurrection to rule and to teach God's servants. I hope this has comforted you that you're not being tested and tried and you're not being afflicted for no reason. And it's not necessarily because you don't believe because you're still going to be tested even when you do believe because that's the trial of your faith. You're not suffering for naught. Nothing in what we said here does that except when you fall away. Then you've suffered many things for naught, for naught, for vanity. If you endure to the end, you will be saved. That's what Jesus said. He is faithful. He wants us to be faithful. Well, Father, Father, we ask you to give us your grace to be faithful in all things. Father, we ask you to help us to rejoice in our tribulations, to rejoice in our sufferings for Christ's sake. We just know, Lord, that with this understanding, we'll be able to do this more patiently. We just know, Lord, that now that we know more of your purpose behind these things, we won't believe what the devil says about us suffering for nothing. Just go back to the arm of the flesh. Just go give in a little bit. Just, you know, do it your way. Or we just know that people with this understanding are going to be able to stand up to the devil's temptations. Lord, we pray that you'll work in anyone who reads this or hears this, that you'll help them, that you'll give them grace to realize that obedience, even when they suffer, according to the will of God, will give them the glory of God. Yes, it will burn up the wood, the hay, and the stubble, but it will bring the glory of God. Father, we ask you to help us to be patient in our manifold temptations that patience have its perfect work, that we be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. Oh Lord, your precious promises are so powerful that it's unbelievable to the lukewarm and unbelieving Christians. Lord, give us grace to serve you patiently, to be obedient no matter what it costs. You said, even unto death even unto death. Or there are Christians out there today who are going through sufferings, testings and trials. And it may be those ten days you spoke about or longer. 
But I pray, Lord, that you'll bring to their remembrance all things that we've said here today and all things of the word that you've put in their heart and the comfort of the Spirit of God that you've given unto them to be faithful and to endure the trial unto the end, giving thanks to you for all that they're going through. Because the sufferings of this present time aren't even to be compared with the glory that you're going to give to your saints. And we thank you for it, Father. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus, I trust in you. And when I face that darkest night, Shining rays of red and 